Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're going to be talking about meeting with God. So uh, let's open up our Bibles. We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. We believe it is the breath of God, the life of God to us. So we, we get excited when we hear it. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up this morning to Exodus 33. Woo! Exodus 33. That's what I'm talking about. As many times as I say it, they're wooing. It's good old ages, getting in early. In early, want, want them to be excited about the Bible. Exodus 33. Sermon notes are available on the Version Bible app and the events section. Uh, note takers are world changers. So make sure and take some notes, get the notes. We're going to preach really from one verse today. I'm going to read uh, some verses up to it, but I really feel like the Lord's speaking to me on one verse uh, in particular. So let's, let's dive into it after, um, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into it, and then we'll pray. How's that? Verse 7, Moses took his tent, Exodus 33, you're there, verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. What did the Lord do with Moses? He talked with Moses. Thank you. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped. What did they do? The people worshipped, and each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses. What did the Lord do to Moses? He spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his what? With his, with his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just praise you for the bread of life. I thank you for the word, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for declaring truth to us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. So we exalt the name of Jesus. We lift it up so that every one of us will be drawn close to you. Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding us into that truth and teaching us the truth this morning. I pray for uh, your breath to be on what God is saying. I pray that we will have clarity of, of communication as well as understanding. But I pray more than that, I pray for a fire to be stirred up in our hearts to receive fresh revelation. That demonstration will take place for the glory of God alone in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, when, in, uh, we've been talking about these verses in Exodus 33, and you'll see in verses 7 through 11, Moses has this encounter with God uh, at the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 11, well, we notice in 9, God talked with Moses, and then verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. We need to know that God wants to speak to us. That he's talking to us. I know a lot of people may say, well, God never talks to me. 
I know I've been intimidated in my life about I never hear from God. God never says anything to me. I'm just wanting to encourage us all. God is talking to you. He's talking to every single person. Whether we hear it or not, whether tuned in to it or not, that's a different story. But God is speaking. So the Lord and uh, Moses are having this interaction. And notice in 9, it says, The Lord talked with Moses, and then the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 11, face to face, not in vague things, but, I mean, no, that's, anybody want to talk to God face to face? I mean, that sounds pretty cool, to be able to be face to face with God and, and speak with him. This is how Moses is describing how God spoke to him, like he's talking to his friend. It wasn't formal. It wasn't some old angry looking guy on a throne looking down on him. It's like, hey, he's talking to God like a friend. So now in the next verse 12, and this is the verse that we're going to dive into today. I think it's, we're only going to get to one verse, but I think the Lord has a lot to say about it. Then Moses said to the Lord, so God spoke to Moses he, he talked with him in 9. He spoke to him in 11. Now, this is the first time we see anything that Moses said back, right? So imagine you just heard from God. God was speaking to you, and now Moses talks back. And then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. This is the part we want to break down. Notice Moses said, God, you said something to me. I, it wasn't like Moses wasn't sure if God said it. You know how some things we might think, was that God? Was that not God? I think that was God. I'm not sure if that was just me. Did I make that up? Is that something I'm just imagining? Moses has zero doubt. Lord, you said. So the problem's not did he hear from God. The problem was what God said to him. Or better yet, the problem was what God didn't say to him. Let me tell you what I, what I mean by that. Moses says, you said to me, bring up this people. Clear instruction, clear command from God, bring up this people out of Egypt into the promised land. Did he hear from God, yes or no? Yes, he heard from God. But look what he says. Once he heard from God, what's the next word after he says what God told him to do? Bring up this people, but... But I know what you said. I know what you're telling me. But what's usually coming after but? Usually what's coming after but is our analyzing of what God just said. Usually what's coming after but is our opinion or our take on what God just said. So here's the question I have for you. Has God ever told you to do something and yet there were still things he did not let you know? He says, uh, see God, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know. You have not let me know. So has God ever told you something, but yet there were still things he did not let you know? 
He commanded, asked, directed you to do something, directed us to do something, but he left out some details. Anybody relate with that to me? Most of this message, if not all of it, is what God was speaking to me, and I'm just letting you in on our conversation and hope it blesses you. So I'm not talking at you today. I'm talking to questions. I'm speaking about questions he's asking me, and I, I hope that it ministers to you as well. Here's what I felt like after that question was posed. Has God ever told you to do something and yet there were still things he did not let you know? Many times our faith in God can be measured by how, how much detail we require before we do what God has asked us to do. Let me run it back for you. Many times our faith in God can be measured by how much detail we require before we do what he tells us to do. Like, okay, I, I, get, I get what you're telling me to do, Lord, but I need some more scoop. I need some more details. What he says versus what he lets us know, that's what Moses is dealing with. God, I know you told me to bring up this people, but you left out some details, and I need to know those details before. Can anybody put themselves in the situation of Moses where God has whispered into our heart or said something, made something no, and we wanted to know more before we did what he asked us to do. So what's the question? Why is that? He just heard from God. God just talked to him face to face. It's not like it was in a, in a, a word from another person. It's not like he got a text. It's not like he saw a post on Facebook and said, Lord, is that you speaking to me? He just heard from God's face to face. So he knows what God said, but he's got a little issue with the details. So I want to pose this comparison. What God says in our life versus what he does or doesn't let us know, which one's going to win out? What God says versus the lack of detail. What we feel like we need to know. Which one is going to move us the most? What God says to us or what I think I need to know first? Just laying the groundwork for us. What are we, which one is going to win out? What God says or our need to know details? Here's a question for you again. Is what God said enough or is what we don't know too much? Is what God said enough or is the amount of details we don't know too much for us to obey? Overwhelming response today. I just believe you're pondering it with me. So is what God said enough or are the questions and the doubts and the need for more information, too much for me to step out. Is the fact that he said it enough for me? Or do I need more proof? Do I need three more confirmations from people? Do I need some prophetic words to be given to me from people to validate what I just heard from the creator of the universe. I'm talking to me, remember. I'm not talking to you. How many times does God say something and we say, oh, I believe God's speaking to me. 
But then we want people to come across and agree and confirm what God said. I'm all for confirmation. I'm all for let every word in one uh, be established between two or three witnesses. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I'm good with the wisdom in the multitude of counselors. I, I'm good with that. But I'm just concerned that we become put so much weight on the word of a person that we're needing people to say something before we just go with what God spoke into our heart. Because the question that begs to be answered is, what if no one tells you? What if no one agrees with you? What if no one confirms it? What if no one comes up and says, well, I just feel like the Lord's wanting me to tell you that what he's been telling you is exactly right. Whoa, (laughs) I can do it now. Why, because John Doe said it's right? I'm all for a prophetic, you know, umph in the back or whatever, a little from John Doe, but I better be hearing my truth from the Holy Spirit and not depending on, please, will you prophesy to me? Please, will you tell me I'm hearing from God? I'm all for it, but what if no one does? Do we stop? Do we get on pause and go, I don't know what to do? God told you something. Bring up this people. But you haven't told me enough, right? You haven't given me enough details. So the question again, will we go? Will we go? Will we bring up the people? Will we move forward and act based on what God said? Or do we need more information before we'll actually put it to practice? Just because, oh, this is good. This is good because he'd said it. Just because we don't know something doesn't mean it wasn't known before he said what he said. Just just marinate on that a minute. Just because we don't know doesn't mean it was not known before he told you to do what he told you to do. Sometimes we think if we don't know it, it is unknown. There's no way possible that anyone could know. We're that full of ourselves. Like I just don't know how this is going to play out. And I need to know if I make the decision. How many has ever had this happen? Like God tells you something and then you start informing him of all the ripple effects of his command. Lord, (laughs) that's cute, Lord. That's good. So, but you don't understand. If I do that, this could happen. And if that happens, then this could happen. And if that happens, this could happen. And I don't even want to begin to tell you about what could happen after that. I'm sure God is like, oh, Chad, please inform me. As we begin to lay out for the Alpha and Omega, all the ripple effects of doing what he asked us to do. We're like, I want to see... Lord, if I push this domino, you don't understand. But what we've got to understand, before God said what he said, he knew what he didn't let us know. Before he said what he said, he knew everything. He's omniscient. You know what omniscient means? That means all-knowing. That doesn't mean pretty smart. 
That doesn't mean ultra-intelligent. That means all-knowing. Like all-knowing. Like we can't grasp that kind of knowing. Like to know in from beginning, to know every permutation and computation of every decision. I, I can't. I just can't. But he does. He's that level of knowledge. But yet we measure, and again, please pray for me. I'm talking about myself. We take his direction, his command, and we hold it and we analyze it from our vast experience and intelligence and decide whether we think it's reasonable or accurate. Before he said, to do what he said to do, he considered every possible ramification. Everything that would be required to be needed with that command, he already thought about it when he said, bring up this people. That seems a little vague, God. Right, aren't you leaving out some details? Like three million people. Do you realize how many personalities are in there? Wow. I can't even, I can't. So God said, bring up this people. And Moses said, um, you know what? <laughs> I need some more details. So the question to me, maybe to you if you want to partake in it, is what he said, the final authority or does what he say have to be supported by what I understand? Is what he said enough? The question to us, I think, is what is the final authority in our heart? Is it what God said or is it even our experience? What gets the last word? What's the thing that pushes us to move? What's the thing that prompts us? You know, we used to move hogs and we had these little cattle prods. And, you know, what's, what's the thing that... What's the thing that gets us... Hey, hey, what is it? What's the thing that moves us? Is it when we finally comprehend? Is it the three people... Five people, seven people, Facebook support people that confirm that you're hearing from God? What, what is it? What is it that moves us to do what he said to do? Is it his word? Is it truly the final authority? Or is it his word plus confirmations plus details plus Rationalizing plus understanding plus I see it now. Okay, I'll move. Wow. Do we realize that if God has to get it down to the level that we see it, it's not supernatural? If it, if it gets down to the level that we can see how it work out, then what, what is God needed for? Oh, I see how this will come together. <laughs> By the time I say that, everybody can see it. It's not a news bulletin. But when God says, Chad, I see this, I'm like, what? 
uh-uh. What has final authority? You know the word faith. God gave me the word faith in in an acronym one time. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith. Final authority in this house. Is faith in God's word the final authority or is it just a Christianese concept? Food for thought. Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verse 11 says, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, a commandment. It's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not far off. I'm just telling you something. I'm giving you commands. I'm speaking to you. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. God says, I want to speak to you and tell you what to do. But don't think you're not hearing from me just because you want more detail. I'm just not hearing from God. Oh, we heard. We just didn't like what he said. I'm just not hearing God on that. Well, we heard a portion, a smidgen. And God says, run with that. I'm with you. We're like, yeah, I'm going to need a little more on that. I'm going to need a little bit more detail because I just don't... He's challenging Moses, and I believe he's challenging us. You say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know. So I want to encourage you, because I believe God's trying to encourage me in this. Stop waiting to know more details once we've heard what God's told us to do. Act on it. Step out in faith and do it, and just go with it. That what God says, his word has to be the final authority. Not his word plus my understanding equals obedience. His word plus faith equals obedience. It's not his word plus my rational, logical filter. Someone's saying, well, now, Chad, ease up. We got to use wisdom. When did wisdom and God separate? I don't know when that happened. That when God said something, wisdom is in it. It's not, hey, God told me to do this, but, 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 I got to use wisdom. When someone tells you that, smile, say God bless you, and do not listen to what they're saying. heard that all my, yeah. Stop letting people separate wisdom and God. I don't need my wisdom. Mm -mm. I need a word from the Lord. Because in the word of the Lord is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God makes the wisdom of man look foolish. It's foolishness. But when the wisdom of God comes, I'm, I'm here trying to hear from him. God said, bring up this people. Moses should have said, yes, sir, let's go. But like us, he's like, ah, but I know you said, but you've not let me know. Sound a little harsh. What did he not let Moses know? We better ask that question. So you've not let me know, that deals with the 
what, when, where, and why. The details that all of us want to know before we make a decision, before we step out in faith and go after something that's bigger than us. Step out and take, go after something that requires faith and not our bank account. I should stay here for just a moment. I wasn't going to do that, but I feel the Lord. <laughs> See, sometimes we, God tells, if God tells us to do something that we can, if, oh, let me filter that. If God tells us to do something that we cannot do, alarm should go off that God is telling you he will make the difference. We're looking for God to tell us stuff that we can do. Chad, I would like for you, are you listening, you ready? I would like for you, son of mine, this is Yahweh speaking. I, the Lord thy God, you guys speaking King James for God. I, the Lord thy God, Adonai Elohim, Alpha and Omega, the bright and morning star, I tell you today, take out the trash. Right? <laughs> he doesn't need to tell me to take out the trash. I've already got a Holy Spirit to tell me to take out the trash. <laughs> I don't need... I don't need... <laughs> But right, we're, we're waiting for him to tell us stuff that, stuff that he tells us to do, we should feel lack. Lack is what I'm saying. You understand my, my grammar sometimes. Lack means, in other words, the command should come with a gap between what I can do, what I can provide, what I can accomplish, and the, and the goal, and he's the one who fills in the gap. So I cling to him and not to my own abilities, not to my own intellect, not to my own understanding. I grab hold of Jesus and I say, Lord, let's go. I don't know how we're going to get there, but I'm going to trust you. But instead, we, wanna, we want those big, deep revelations like get out of bed. What did he not let Moses know? Bring up this people, but you've not let me know what? Whom you will send with me. What did he not let him know? Whom you will send with me. So in other words, bring up this people, but God, you've not told me who's going to help me. You've not told me who's going to come alongside me, who's going to help me do what you've asked me to do. Here's a question. Do we need to know who else before we make a decision for ourselves? Example. You ever get invited to go somewhere? Somebody says, hey, you want to come over? We're going to have this thing. We're going to have a party. We're going to come over to the house. You know, do something. What's the first thing you, people usually say? Who all's coming? <laughs> right? Who all's coming? Why are you asking that before you give your yes or no? Mr. and Mrs. Commitment. <laughs> I like to keep things open. Who, who else coming? You know, who, who else is going to be there? Well, you know, just going to be us and so and so and so and so. Oh, man, that sounds good. That sounds good. I'd love to come, but, you know, we've got a thing. <laughs> a thing just came up. Who else coming? Who else is going to be there? How many times are we wanting to know who else before we give our yes? Come on, come on. 
It's one thing to do it with a party, but it's a whole other thing to do it with God that we're waiting to get confirmation of who else is going to be involved. What are they going to do? Who else is going to come with me before I commit my heart? Too many times we're focused too much on the crowd when we should be focused on the command. Did God tell you to do it? Vamos. Sorry, that's Spanish. I'm bilingual. It means let's go. <laughs> right? It was, once God says to go, but, but again, we're like Moses. We're like Moses. God says, Chad, I want you to do this. Okay, okay. So we see the gap, right, between what we can do and the goal, and we start looking for, okay, well, is Jane going to go? Is John going to go? Is surely Steve's going to help or surely Richard? We're too many times wondering about who else before we say yes to him for ourselves. We're worried about the crowd. How many times does God give you a directive, give me a directive, and we want details about other people's involvement? Let's give an example. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You guys okay so far? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you speak to our hearts now, Lord, more and more. John 21, turn faster. I hear the pages, music to my ears. You hear that or somebody just tapping their phone real loud. I'm not sure which it is. John 21, look at verse 17. John 21, this is the interaction of Jesus and Peter. Remember, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. So he's resurrected body, right? Ate some fish by the sea. He was cooking some fish. Nobody knows where the fish came from, but he, he's got some fish. He had it, DoorDash, brought in, whatever. He's got fish, and he's talking to Peter. Remember, Peter is the one who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, three times. And so Jesus comes up to Peter and he says in verse 15, you know, Simon, do you love me more than these? Talking about the fish. Do you love me more than, there's a whole sermon in this, but I'm, I'm just going to hit some highlights. He said to me, yes, Lord. Jesus was asking, do you love me? Agape, God's type of love. Peter answers back, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo, which is brotherly love. He said to him, here's the command, feed my lambs. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, Jonah, of Jonah, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me, agape? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo. Here's the command again, second one. He said to him, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Third time, verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? Do you love me with a godly love? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I, that I phileo you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Notice the command, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. 
Verse 18, most surely I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. He's talking about the death he would glorify God as Peter was crucified upside down. Because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Lord." Look at verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. So Peter and Jesus are walking. He looks back, and the disciple whom Jesus loved is the writer of John, John himself. Remember, John is the one that um, was putting his head on on Jesus' chest. We'll read that here. Following who also had leaned on, on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? John was the one that uh, Jesus gave his mother to. She, he said to Mary, he was hanging on the cross. He said, Mary, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. He loved John. John was like inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John. So he writes about himself saying, I'm the one that, that the Lord loved. So again, verse 21, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Remember, keep in context. Peter and Jesus walking. Jesus gives Peter the command three times. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. He gives him the instruction. Peter takes the command that he heard from the Lord. He turns and looks at another person. And he says, this person, I know you love him, God. You've got to love him more than me. He's trying to get over the fact that he had let Jesus down three times. Let him down is a kind way. He betrayed him. He denied him. And Peter can't get over his own failures, his own disqualification. He says, Lord, what about this guy? Why don't you tell him to feed your sheep? Why don't you tell him to feed your lambs? You love him. He loves you. I'm no good. What about this guy? Look what Jesus said to him, verse 22. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you? You follow me. Doesn't matter what he's gonna do. If I will that he stays alive till I come back again, what's that to you? You just follow me. Here's the question. Is our commitment to follow Jesus dependent more on the yes of others or our own yes? Do we need to know what others are willing to do for Jesus before we decide what we're willing to do for him? Do we need to know who's going to go with us before we decide what we're going to do? Are we waiting on Well, how many of my friends are going to go? Where are the people that are willing to go alone? Where are the people that are willing to go if nobody goes? Where are the people that are saying, Jesus, you're the one that matters. Peter was like, I just don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I'm deserving of it, Jesus. Jesus like, what I'm going to do with John is none of your business. You follow me. 
Too many times we're looking, well, who else is, who else is serving? Are they, are they going? Are they, are they coming to prayer? Are they on fire? Are they, are they getting involved? Are they, are they serving? I don't know if I, who, who else, who else, who else? Stop worrying about what others are doing. And let's go in for what he's telling us to do. Are we waiting on the decision of others before we make our own decision? Will we do what he tells us to do in spite of what we don't know? Or will we do what, we, what he tells us to do in spite of who goes with us? I want to close with this story. You guys know uh, maybe the story of the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? The story is based on a true story of a tribe in India. And I forgot the title, uh, the name of the city. It starts with an A, I believe, Amas or something like that. And so this Welsh revival was going on, and this evangelist left, left from Wales, sorry, Wales, left Wales, travels all the way to India, goes up into the mountains, into this remote village, and the people told him, said, don't go there. Those people are savages. And he said, every person deserves the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he goes into this village and begins telling people about Jesus, begins sharing the gospel. They're very resistant, very hostile, don't want to hear it. But one family, one man, his wife and his two children listen to the evangelist and God touches their heart and they give their life to Christ. And they were so moved that they begin to tell their friends and they begin to tell them about this Jesus that they've seen and they've encountered, they've experienced. And other people start to think about Jesus and talk about, and the talk begins to go around the village about this Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, the chief gets mad and he calls a village meeting. He says, everybody, I want you to show up. And he brings the the original people, the, the husband, the wife, and the two children out to the center. He he speaks to them and he says to the father, to the husband, I want you to renounce this Jesus right now publicly or I will kill your children. The husband, the father, new convert, looks at the chief, to all the people he has ever known in their life. And he says to the chief, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The chief says, so be it, had his archers shoot down his two children right in front of him. While his two two children lay twitching on the ground, passing away. The chief says to him again, renounce this Jesus or your wife will suffer the same fate of your children. Man looks to his chief and says, though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. The chief was so filled with anger. He says, shoot down the wife. Shoot the wife. She falls right next to her children. He says, this is your last chance. If you want to live, Renounce this Jesus or your life will be just like theirs. You've lost your children. You've lost your wife. Now at least save your life and you can can, uh, start over. 
man looked at his children, looked at his wife, and said to the chief, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. The chief could not contain himself. Shoot him now. Shot him and executed him right on the spot. As he fell to the ground, something happened to the chief. He began to see that family. Other people, tears in their eyes around the village. And the chief began to say, I've never seen faith like that. I want to know this Jesus that they spoke of. Who can tell me about this Jesus? And the entire village gives their life to Jesus. What's the point? Jesus is giving us direction and like Moses too many times we're saying, but you haven't told me who's gonna come with me. But the question that he's asking us and putting in front of us today is though none go with you, Will you still follow? Have you decided? Have you decided? Because I believe the Lord is asking, where are the Christians that are not worried about what other people are doing? Where are the people that are so sold out to the cross that they say, I don't care who comes or who doesn't come. I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. That's the question. That's the question that's got to burn in our hearts. If I haven't really decided, then I'll look back or look around. Anybody else going? Nah, I don't want to stand out. I really don't, I don't need to stand out. I, I just kind of like to go with the flow. You know, I, I like to be in with the crowd. I don't like to make a big fuss. I just kind of like to blend in. But your Bible says to come out from among them and be separate. Who are we following? Where's the courageous ones? Where's the bold ones? Where are the bold teenagers that says, I don't care who's going. I'm going to follow Jesus. I have decided. My parents haven't decided. My, my friends haven't decided. I have decided. We've got to be at a stage in our life that we don't care. Because I'm telling you, it's coming in the earth. And I feel the unction of the Lord to prepare us. Church, be ready. The people that we're going with you will fall off. Then what are we gonna do? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.